I was recently scrolling through Twitter and a tweet from a young woman by the name of Curly Chisholm caught my attention. In the tweet, she quoted lyrics from rapper Chief Keith. The lyrics read, you ain't gonna let me and I feel you, but you gonna or I'll kill you. She goes on to quote lyrics from other popular rappers such as Snoop Dogg, Kanye West, Rick Ross, Eminem, and many others, all centered around the theme of male rappers slamming, abusing, and demeaning women. This kind of got me thinking. Is this an artist expressing their own artistic liberties and a reflection of their environment in an unapologetic space? Or, as a global icon with a major influence on pop culture, do they have a greater responsibility to the world at large to police themselves? We want to explore this in today's episode of Cultural Standpoints. talking about music, let's face it, a lot of hip-hop and rap music is built around me showing how I got more money than you, I can disrespect you and you can't do nothing about it, I'm gonna talk about you and punk you, and ironically, that actually shows the vulnerability that you feel. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Cultural Standpoints. I'm Julian. And I'm Kyle. In today's episode, we'll be exploring the intersection between toxic masculinity, hip-hop, and its future. The influence of the Me Too movement has spread from corporate boardrooms to national elections to primetime advertising and the entertainment industry. Yet there's one sphere of influence that still seems to be unaffected, the global pop culture machine of hip hop. So how'd we get here? Toxic masculinity isn't a new phenomenon, but recently our society has reached a tipping point and many fed up voices have broken that silence, giving rise to the Me Too movement. Yet despite this increased scrutiny and high potential for public shaming, Many argue that toxic behavior still continues to persist within hip-hop. So how did hip-hop get here from its seemingly G-rated beginnings? As hip-hop's popularity as a new genre of music grew in the late 70s and 80s, so did its potential influence as a larger platform. This platform reached a tipping point in the early 90s with the rise of gangster rap. Hip-hop slowly morphed from a platform for voicing institutional frustration and observation into a glorification of material excess and toxic behavior with few repercussions. Jumping ahead to this past decade, hip-hop's artists and influence are now on the same scale as classic pop superstars. Thus, over the past 40 years, hip-hop has completely transformed from its innocent beginnings to a platform for empowerment and reflection, and ultimately to a global stage never thought possible. But today, hip-hop faces an existential crisis. Can the collective identity of the music and culture live independently of the behavior of its superstars, or are the two intrinsically linked at a fundamental level? In order to explore this topic in depth, we reached out to active members of the hip-hop community and cultural thought leaders to get their take on a complicated, divisive issue. Deontay Grimes is a street rapper turned gospel rapper and motivational director of Unexpected Direction. Imani Sherrill is co-founder and board member of the BC Collective, as well as VCU's 2019 Black History in the Making award winner. Nicholas F. is a rapper, songwriter, and producer from Richmond, Virginia. Nick has collaborated with Drake and is best known for being the BET 106 and Park Freestyle Friday champion. We asked our guests what initially drew them to hip-hop. Hip-hop is important to me because it allowed me to be able to voice how I feel and be able to say what I want to say without really no repercussions. That's how it started. You know, right now, you know, I'm a gospel rapper now, but before that, I was rapping 
about things that was going on in my life in the streets. I have a strange relationship with hip-hop because for the longest, I was, like, not allowed to listen to hip-hop. It was secular music. So I fell in love with R&B first. I was one of those girls sneaking in listening to The Love Below late at night. And then I fell in love with hip-hop towards my high school years. I went to a predominantly black high school. And music is, like, ingrained in black culture. And so the more I grew um, in my blackness, so to speak, the more I found appreciation for hip-hop and rap music. I remember when my dad bought me my first hip-hop album, Criss Cross. You know what I mean? He introduced, well, Criss Cross was the first tape that I bought. But, you know, he introduced me to Curtis Blow. And then started just listening to the older stuff, like, the Harmony, Biggie, Pop, hearing about all these other walks of life that were foreign to mine. I mean, I was a military brat that moved around all the time and listening to rap music that reported on the environment that the artists were growing up on was a way for me to travel almost the places that I haven't been. I, had, I was just zone out. How have you seen hip-hop change over time? Starting out, hip-hop was an art form that was pretty much a spoken word, rhythm, and blues. It was just about everyday life, where they talked about just girl, you know, it, it was just real fun. A way people can dance and not have no ill feel towards it. But as the dope era started kicking off, rap music started to change to a more of a, an aggressive tone, because... The younger generation who was actually a product of the dope life, a product of crack, they started being able to produce their own music. That brought out a lot of frustration that was going on in our communities. I would not say that it's all negative as far as like people talking about dealing crack, weed, whatever. My opinion on that is that hip-hop and music is a art form and most people express themselves in art the way they feel most comfortable and what they are familiar with. When the crack epidemic and all of that starts to happen, if that's your environment and poetry, hip-hop and music is your outlet, then why not talk about it? Stylistically, things change, but they also say the same. Like, you say we got a bunch of ratchet music uh, nowadays, but, like, shit, we had Uncle Luke back in the day. We had Teen Baby and whatever. That's just my baby daddy. We had all those joints, too. Do you feel like the way hip-hop puts women on display in culture is ultimately allowed and acceptable because it's a safe space of artistic expression? I think that our society is fixated on the fast life. And in the fast life, it's all about money, power, respect, and sex. It makes a man feel powerful to feel like he can make a woman do whatever he want to do. But that woman that they're talking about is not the typical woman that's that's in our neighborhoods or that's in society. Most women, man, we got a lot of good women in this world, but the music not reflecting on the real woman. Me Too movement is calling out calling out that behavior, right? But I think that if you mirror the Me Too movement with, like, Amber Rose and her slut walk, not saying that they're sluts, but there are women out there who do not mind the chase, who do not mind doing some of the things that these people talk about in their music. Is that by the masses? No. Should it just be assumed that every woman is like that because that's what most of our rappers are are saying? No. But then you've got other rappers who are saying different. Um, but I think the line with the Me Too movement gets crossed is once that woman says no, then like no means no. That's it. 
I know we're in the age of being politically correct and not offending people. And uh, I honestly feel like art shouldn't be censored. Whatever the person is feeling, that they, they have that choice to express that. You have the choice not to listen. If you don't like the message, then don't listen. There are people, and even if you don't agree with what it is that the person is saying or you don't agree that people are into whatever it is that's being said, I still respect the the freedom that people have to express themselves how they want. It's just about being respectful to people. You know what I'm saying? You be respectful to a person as a human being. Whatever their choices are is what they make it. It's not for me to judge what you do with your life. But I can respect you as a human being and I can respect your right to make your own decisions. So in the wake of Me Too, does rap and hip-hop get a pass? Rap gets a pass, yes. Rap gets a pass because it's not degrading, it's, it's not degrading the, the, the typical white woman. So it's getting a pass. Everything that rap stands for, it's the, it's the black culture. So let's just take it to another step. What other music genre allows or be talking about killing the same race? Country don't talk about them going to see each other, neighborhoods killing each other. I don't hear that. Pop, pop don't do it. Rock don't do it. But guess what? Hip-hop does. As long as we killing each other and doing that and it's cooling our music, it ain't going to change because it's, it's killing the black man. It's affecting the black community. It's not, it's, not affecting, it's not affecting nobody else. It's affecting us. We killing each other. Let them play that all day long. Because music, once you play it over and over again, it becomes a part of that. I don't think that hip-hop gets a pass. I think what happens is, like, we, they tell, again, they're telling stories of, some, some of them, most of them are telling stories of their experience. And there are women out here who are doing the things that they're talking about and have no problem with it. Like, I see them all the time on Twitter. And you know what? You offer the right dollar amount to some of these regular schmegular women, they'll probably do the same thing. Not saying that they're, they don't have any less morals, or um, they should be ashamed they're not feminist. No, like, if that's what they want to do, feel free and be as sexually liber- liberated as you want. I don't think rap music gets a pass on it, but how I look at it is, is like this. Everybody's making their own decisions. So we want to talk about the objectification of women. Well, they're showing up to the video shoot. And, like, no one's putting a gun to their head and saying, hey, put this on and shake your head. So they're going to get the girls that like to do that. The girls that like that vote of attention. That's how I look at it. It's like, you know, everybody makes their own, own choices. Like, if a girl decides she wants to be a stripper, and it's paying more than what she was doing previously. Maybe she was working stock at Walmart. She got a homegirl who strip, who drive nice. And then she tells her, and puts her up, okay, you got to go like, who are you? And tell her that you're objectifying yourself. She, maybe she, she feels like, hey, I'm not objectifying myself. I'm doing what I got. I got, I'm glad I got it. So I feel like everybody has their ability to make their own choice. So I'd like to thank the guests for their perspective on this really interesting conversation that we've had around rap music and the optics around women in the music and what they're saying about the women in the music. I really agree with what our guests are saying in that rap should be a free space of expression. A lot of times what we're hearing is stories and testimonies of what these artists are experiencing in their daily lives. Yeah, I agree as well. I think it's important to remember that ultimately this is a sphere of expression that deserves the same artistic protections as other musical genres and not necessarily everyone's real life. I think it's important that we remember that just because women are front and center in hip-hop, it does not necessarily mean that the women uh, are being mistreated. 
I think Nick made a good point in that it is about respect, but I do also lean into what Dion said about the black culture. So there is part of this where some people may not be able to identify, so it gets overlooked. But at the end of the day, respect is respect, no matter your race, creed, or color. So I do think that safe space is important for the artist. Respect is important for the person, no matter who they are. And then for the audience, the people that are listening, it is up to them to decide whether they want to listen or whether they don't want to listen and police the situation for themselves. You can't expect the artist to censor themselves because it's something that you may or may not like. I'd like to thank Deontay Grimes, Imani Sherrill, and Nicholas F. for joining us on our show today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cultural Standpoints.